This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hello, dear listeners. I am really excited to be sharing with you today a very important topic and to be teaching you tools that are very applicable to all of us. Today's class is sponsored Le'iloi Nishmas Yona Ben Baruch Yehuda. So we're going to be learning Perak Nun chapter 55. And here in chapter 55, David is expressing his deep anguish, his pain and sorrow at being betrayed by somebody who was his very close friend and confidant, Achitofel. Achitofel was not part of the royal family at all. He was a commoner. And yet, David was very close with him, and he even looked up to him as an authority for advice. They shared secrets together. But in the end, Achitofel was actually the one who encouraged David's son, Avshalom, to attack David and to kill him. And so this was a major, major betrayal. So here in this paragraph, David is not only expressing his fear at He's expressing his fear that his life is in danger, so in a physical sense, but he's also expressing his deep sorrow at being betrayed by someone who he really thought he could count on. And there's a chizuk message here for all of us. We as humans are dependent on each other, and it's meant to be that way. But what often happens is that in our eagerness to be in relationships, to feel the closeness of a relationship, or to have somebody else help us in a certain way, We jump into relationships sometimes too quickly and we put our trust in the other person and we open ourselves up to them and we become vulnerable and then we find ourselves hurt. And people, what happens is when they get into these type of relationships, they they beat themselves up. They say, how did I get a business partner like this? How did I end up becoming friends with a person who's not healthy? How did I, even a spouse, even a person could have a spouse like this? and feel so terrible about themselves, which makes all the pain of whatever they're going through so much worse. So the chizok here is that, look what happened to the king of the Jewish nation. He got himself very close with a person who ultimately ended up wanting to kill him. How much more of a toxic relationship could we even dream of, right? This is the ultimate toxic relationship, and he put himself in it. So if David HaMelech could get in, you know, involved in something like that, then it can happen to any of us, and we should not beat ourselves up over it. We should learn from the experience and move on. The thing that I really want to bring out today that I want to teach all of us is I want to answer the following question. How can we open ourselves up to trusting other people, to bringing them into our lives, and at the same time, feel safe, that our feelings are safe, that no matter what happens in this relationship, I'm going to be able to handle it, I'm going to be okay, and I can hold my own. How do we become people who can hold our own in relationships so that we can make ourselves vulnerable and we can be social? You know, there are people who lock themselves in their house and say, forget it. I'm done with friends. I'm done with marriage. I'm done with this. I'm done with that. They don't want to have anything to do with anyone anymore because they were so burned in the past. So how do we become people who are open to the beauty of relationships with others and at the same time that we're protected and taken care of? So this is an important question that we're going to answer after we finish the Pesukim here. So let's look at Pasuk Aleph, 
Lamnatseach Beneginos Maskil David. So we're in Parak Nun Hey, Pasuk Aleph. So here the Al Sheikh explains, Lamnatseach Beneginos. We're talking again about Neginos, instruments. David is telling the Menatseach, the conductor, to start playing the instruments. What's going on here? He's running away from his son. He's in a horrific He's in a terrible situation. He's full of despair. And the Al-Sheikh explains that it's because he's in despair that he recognizes the need to employ musical instruments. And he starts having musical instruments played for him as he's running away from his son. And this brings to mind a recent incident where somebody came to me and said, you know, yeah, I know your main idea, the main thing that you teach and, you know, is the idea of pivoting away from your difficult thoughts and moving to a better mindset. But like, I'm going through a really tough time. My life is really difficult. How could you tell me to do that? How could you tell everybody else to do that? How are they supposed to do that? It seems impossible. It seems almost unreasonable of you. And, you know, when I look at this Pasuk, the answer is really clear. How was David HaMelech able in such a difficult time to turn and and say, you know what, let me figure out how to lift my spirits. Let me play musical instruments. Let me get myself into a better space. How is he able to do that? And, and can we think of a worse situation where he's running away from his own son who's trying to kill him? And the answer is that David recognized the power of lifting his spirits. He knew from experience, that when he got into a better frame of mind and he had bitachon and he was happier and expecting good results, he knew from experience that that brought about miracles in itself. That in itself brought about Yeshua's for him. And so because he saw the correlation so clearly, it was easy for him to, to make the decision to lift his mood because it was he knew that it was going to affect positive change in his life. And the same applies for us. A person could be going through the worst thing in the world, but if they know that getting themselves into a more positive space is going to be really helpful and is going to attract better things into their reality, they're going to have a much easier time doing it. A person could be going through a small little challenge, but if they don't realize that changing their mood could affect their reality, then, then it's going to be way too hard for them to do it. They're not going to be motivated to even try. So now that we know what lifting our moods can do for us, we could take all the tools that we learn here in this Telem class and in other places, and we could really apply them with greater ease. So again, the key is to understand the value of the good mood and to know that it brings about Yeshua's, and then we'll have an easier time pivoting and changing our focus. Pasuk Dalit, and we're going to skip around, it's a long parak. The end of Pasuk Dalit tells us, Ki yamitu alai aven uva'af yistimuni. David is saying, you know, everyone hates me. He's talking about how everybody is blaming him for his sin with Bathsheba. Everyone who used to love me and want me as their king is now hating me and trying to crown my son as king. My heart is worried, is, is trembling within me, like a chil ura'ada. Um, it's trembling and the horrors of death have fallen upon me. So he's he's legitimately scared of dying here. He's scared for his physical well-being, as everybody seems to have turned against him. Pasuk Zion. And he's saying here, you know, Oh, if only I had wings like a bird. I would fly and I would rest. So let's understand this. 
he's asking to really be, get extricated from this very dangerous situation to be able to escape. And he's recognizing that he's in such a bad state that the only way he could escape and actually get away is through becoming a bird and having wings. But why a Yona? Why specifically is he looking to become a dove? So the first reason that I want to share with you is that all other birds, when they're flying, they get tired. And when they get tired, they perch themselves on a treetop or on a building or on a boulder or on the sidewalk. They stop and they rest. But a dove has a special power. What's the special ability of the dove? The dove, when it gets tired, it doesn't need to stop. It just simply folds in one of its wings and it flies with the other wing for a little while until that the other wing is not as tired and then it could fly again with both wings. So it kind of like does a little hop. It hops on one leg, so to speak, until it's not tired anymore. And this is, a, is really like a superpower. If you think about it, a dove does not need to stop to rest. So he's saying here, if I could be a dove, then I don't need to stop to rest. Then I could, it, I could be assured a successful escape. Ufa uh, ve'eshkona, I could fly, and at the same time, I could be resting. Another explanation that I want to add here is that we know that David is complaining about, and we're going to see soon, he's going to talk about the betrayal of his old friend, um, his ex-friend, Achitofel. And the, you know, he's kind of, it could be that he's highlighting here, that he's saying, I want to be like a Yona. I seek to be like a Yona. What is the characteristics of a Yona? A Yona, a dove, is known for its loyalty. So it could be that he's highlighting the difference between him and Achitofel here. And he's saying, Hashem, Achitofel is a traitor, but I want to be like a dove. That's how I strive to be. I'm loyal. And in, in light of that, please save me and get rid of him. So I want to just for a minute, look at this Pasuk and, and, and bring out a question for all of us. And the question is, how could we apply this to our life? Tehillim is about applying its principles to our own life. Baruch Hashem, I hope none of us are fugitives running away from enemies. So how do we apply this Pasuk? So let's think about our spiritual growth and involvement. We, when we think about growth, we think about growing spiritually we think about pain. Very often we think about, yeah, something awful has to happen, something stressful and exhausting, and that's what will push me to grow. That's what will get me out of my comfort zone. But the truth is, there's another way of growing. And it's possible to also grow and evolve as people in happy, peaceful, calm times. Sometimes a person has to go through a tsara. But sometimes, right, and often we see that when a person's life is in order and everything is stacked up nicely and everything in their life is going well, then they, they're freed up and they have the wherewithal emotionally, physically, mentally to devote themselves to a higher project, to say, now I want to use my kochos to make a difference in the world, now I want to work on my midos, now I want to do something because I have the ability to do it because I have menuchas nefesh in other areas of my life. And we could look at this pasuk and we could apply it here and we could say, Hashem, I want to be like a Yona. I want to be a bird who's soaring high, who's ascending in my avodas Hashem, but not a bird that has to stop to rest because it's exhausted. I don't want to grow in times of difficulty and challenge. Let it be that I ascend and I grow in a place of peace, in a place of rest. 
Let me find myself in a happy, restful place in my life and grow through that instead of having to go through difficulty. So it's a nice way of applying this Pasuk very practically um, to shift our thoughts and recognize that it doesn't have to be that we're only growing through pain. We can grow through peace and happiness as well. Pasuk Yud Gimel. Kilo Oyev Yecharfeni Ve'esa. So he's saying here, Lo Oyev. He, he's not my enemy, Achi Tofel. He's not my enemy. He's my friend. I thought he's my friend. And Yecharfeni, and he's shaming me. Ve'esa, but I have to carry that. It's hard. It's so much harder to carry that my good friend is shaming me because I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared for the fact that he's coming to attack me. I'm caught off guard. I'm shocked. And it's much difficult than if an actual enemy were to come and attack me. Pasuk Yodalid, and now he's turning towards Achitofel, and it's like as if he's talking to him and expressing his deep pain at being betrayed. Va'ata enosh ke'erki alufi umiyudai. He's saying, you, like, you know, like you, I trusted you. Like, why do you do this to me? Ke'erki, you are like, you're like, you know, someone who I consider equal in stature, like the same erech, the same value to me. Like, even though you're a commoner and I'm the king, I brought you to to be like my equal. Alufi, my ruler. Not only are you my equal, but I even at times looked to you as a, as a ruler, as an authority. And Alufi has the word Aleph in it to show us that he looked to Achitofel for, in Torah matters, for help as well. Umiyudai, and you're my, you were my confidant, we, we shared secrets together. We, we did things, you know, special things together. We, from the word yada, we knew each other so well. We were intimately connected. Pasuk Chav Gemal. Hashleich al Hashem Yahavcha v'hu yechalkalecha. Cast your burden onto Hashem and he will sustain you. Rashi explains that this is the Ruach HaKodesh here is speaking to David. Hashem is telling David, cast your burden onto me. I know that you're disillusioned with men and that you, you were betrayed and that you can't trust people. So cast your burden onto me and I will sustain you. And this message is for David and for all of us. And the Midrash Shochar Tov compares Hashem here with the mortal man. And he says, if somebody needs tzedakah, let's say, and they go to a rich gvir for tzedakah, the first time they go, the Gavir is going to welcome them in with open arms warmly, maybe give them a cup of tea, bring them in to the house. The second time, you know, they'll come and the rich man will just, you know, a quick hello and, and give him whatever he came for. The third time, you know, he won't even come out to greet him. He'll just, you know, he'll send, here, give his son a check here, give this to the man. And the fourth time, he won't even answer the door at all. He'll have no time for him. But here Hashem is saying, impose yourself on me, one time, two times, four times, a million times, the more the merrier. And every time you come and you need something from me, I will personally receive you and personally take care of you. And it's important to remind ourselves of this, Pasa, because we tend to think that, you know what, if I have good relationships and I have my health, I can't also have good parnasa, right? Or if I have good parnasa, I can't also have my health, Right? We're, we're always limiting Hashem in one way or another. We're always limiting our lives and saying, well, you can't have it all. And the truth is, I tell my, my children when they come home from school, if they would, you know, if one of them tells me this one wasn't being nice to me or I didn't do well on my test, 
whatever it is, I'll, I'll comfort them by saying, well, listen, you can't have it all, right? You can't be beautiful and smart and funny and popular and also, you know, be good at whatever it is that you failed at today. Um, so it's a nice way of comforting them. But the truth is, it's not our place to limit ourselves in what we can't or can't, on what we can or can't have. We, our job is to assume that Hashem can give us everything, is to know that and assume that. Obviously, we're all going to have a challenge in one place or another. But it's not our job to say, well, it makes sense that I can't make money because I have all these other good things and something has to go wrong. No, you're at, you know, we're out of line for thinking that way. The Dubna Magid gives a nice muscle to illustrate this. You may have heard it. There's a tired man who's walking with his load on his back and a wagon driver passes by. And the wagon driver says, come, I'll give you a lift. So he gets on with his package on his back, his load on his back, gets on the wagon. And after a few minutes, the wagon driver sees that the passenger never put his big heavy load down. He's still carrying it. So the, the wagon driver says, what's going on? I have so much room in the wagon. Put your stuff down. And the passenger says, what? I can't put my stuff down. It's enough that you're giving me a lift. I should also ask you to carry my packages. So, of course, the wagon driver says, you fool. I'm carrying you anyways with your packages. You may as well put it down, right? So this is how, you know, sometimes we end up relating to Hashem, like fools. And we say, no, he can't do this. He can't do that. Um, it's too much. I can't have it all. And that's not our place. We're supposed to realize that Hashem has taken care of us in every single way and put our load, give over our load to Him. And we did a beautiful, um, we taught it, we learned a beautiful tool last week called EASE, E-A-S-E, which was an acronym that helped us to, you know, really physically in our minds, see ourselves giving over our burden to Hashem. That's where we brought in this Pasuk last week. So definitely, I'm not going to go over it now, but you can definitely listen to that class if you didn't hear it yet. Okay, so this parak we saw that David was physically frightened for his life, but his emotional pain of betrayal even kind of even trumped the, the physical fear. So let's look at our own lives, and let's look at the fact that, unfortunately, we're all human, and we have all hurt others inadvertently at one point or another, and we have all been hurt by others at one point or another. So the question, like we said in the beginning of the class was, how can we open ourselves to trust other people and bring them into our life and, and have the peace of mind to know that we are protected, that we are taken care of in the process, that if something goes wrong, we'll be okay. So I want to illustrate this idea of protecting ourselves from being hurt by other people with a mushal. Okay, so picture you have a wall. And there was just an earthquake in the town. So the wall is, it's kind of shaky. It's not sturdy. But a person walks by, he's exhausted. He was just walking for a very long time. His body, his bones hurt. And he doesn't know that this wall is not sturdy. And he just kind of like leans his whole body onto the wall. He puts all of his weight on the wall. And he's resting. And then another person comes by. And that person is feeling great. He's feeling fine. He's, he's energized. But he just, you know, he lifts his arm just to rest on the wall. Not his whole body weight. He's just using the wall as a bit of an armrest. Now, what happens when that wall crumbles? When that wall finally has enough and crumbles, what's going to happen to the person who put his full weight on the wall? 
that person is probably going to sustain some pretty serious injuries, probably end up with a, a cast or two. But what's going to happen with the person who just put his arm on the wall? His arm will just fall down to his side, right? He'll just be like, oh, shucks, I lost my armrest. But that's it, right? He's not going to sustain any big injury at all. And the nimshal here is that the more we put our weight on other people, the more we rely on other people for to provide us with the approval and love that we're really supposed to be giving ourselves, the more we feel needy of others and, and put ourselves on them, the greater the fall is going to be, the greater the emotional injury is going to be when something happens that doesn't go our way in that relationship. But if we're healthy and our self-esteem is intact for the most part, and we're able to offer ourselves our own love and approval and give ourselves what we need, and we're just using the other person as like the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae. You know, the other person is just enhancing what I already have. So in that case, when things don't go well, when things don't go well, okay, so I didn't get the cherry, but I still have the sprinkles and the and the hot fudge and the delicious, you know, frozen yogurt. I don't really need that cherry. It would be nice, but it's okay if I don't have it. And that is the solution. The solution to not to being able to be in a relationship and not get terribly hurt when things don't go our way is to become your own source for yourself, a source to self of love and approval. So that you don't you don't your weight is not completely your whole entire existence is not resting on the success of that relationship. So how do we do this? How do we become our own source of love and approval in our own lives? So I gave you many, you know, many great tips and tools on self-esteem, on strengthening it. Here I'm going to focus specifically on this idea. I'm going to give you one tool for becoming your own source of love and one tool for becoming your own source of approval. So let's look at being our own source of love. The way we become our own source of love, an essential ingredient in our self-esteem is an idea, a term that's called self-partnering. Self-partnering is a fancy way of saying, follow your intuition. Partner up with yourself. As women especially, we are so used to going and doing and being everything for everybody else that so often we end up neglecting our own feelings, our own wishes, our own needs. We don't even check in with our intuition. We don't check in with ourselves. What do we want? It ends up all becoming about others. And even if we're good at focusing on what we want, there are still times where we end up totally pushing ourselves to the side for other people, and it could end up being having you know negative consequences. So self-partnering means that I am learning to become more attuned to the volume of my inner voice. So if somebody, for example, tells you, you know, oh, they call you up in the morning, I was supposed to make supper for so-and-so, but unfortunately, you know, I forgot that my daughter has ballet today and that I have a manicure appointment and my nails are terrible lately. It's just awful. And they're going on about why they can't do it. And could you please make dinner for this other woman who had a baby 
um, who you may not even be friends with, but I had this commitment, and can you please do it instead of me, because I have these other things that just got in the way. Now, you could do, obviously, one of two things, right? A lot of us would just, you know, if we're feeling close with that person, and we feel like maybe we owe them a favor, or we're always doing things for each other, we might feel obligated. So, well, you know, cave in, okay, I'm not feeling so good about it, but I'll do it anyways. But self-partnering means that I first, before I answer her, I check in with myself. I check in with my intuition. Is it something that I could push myself to do or is it perhaps a little too much for me and I'm going to become resentful about it? So I want to offer you a very practical tool on how to do this because our intuition, our higher self that speaks to us is something that a lot of us have a hard time grasping onto. It's not physical. It's a very spiritual thing. And sometimes we have a hard time visualizing it and hearing what it has to say. So the tool that I want to give you is about actually turning your intuition into a physical thing. What do I mean? So I was helping somebody. Somebody actually came to me and she was having issues with this thing in her life. And she just was constantly riding over her own feelings to do everything for everyone else and blaming everyone else that they all took advantage of her. So what I did was I tried to help her to turn that intuition into a physical image in her mind. And I said, there's a little you inside of you. And that that little person inside of you, that mini you, has a big piece of blue duct tape on her mouth. And you, your job now is to take it off. And every time you need to make a decision, if you want to do something or not, you need to take off the duct tape and hear what she has to say. And hopefully her voice will start getting more louder and more confident as you continue to do this. So this idea of turning your intuition into a physical thing in your mind is a great way to start checking in with it. Because now you have something to check in with. You have something to see in your head. So it doesn't have to be a mini version of you. It could be a voice recorder that you're turning up the dial on the volume. It could be any physical thing that you could see that reminds you that your intuition needs to be paid paid attention to. And every time you have a decision to make, make sure you remind yourself to first turn inward and consult with that little advisor inside of you. I want to ask all of us a question. Imagine you had a daughter, a beautiful daughter, and she was dating somebody, and she came home from the date and said, you know, I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that. Every time I expressed what I wanted, he ignored me. What would you tell her? You would say, run, right? You would say, get out of there fast. And yet, we all do this to ourselves. And we don't even notice it. We don't, doesn't seem to bother us. We ignore our intuition. We don't pay attention to our feelings, needs, wants, desires. And it doesn't seem to bother us at all. But if we're not going to tune in to ourselves, we can't expect to build healthy relationships with other people tuning in to us. So I want you to imagine for a minute how different the world could be if we all modeled this behavior to our children and taught them about this idea of paying attention to yourself, hearing yourself out. Could you imagine how amazing things would be? Like, would people be able to, would somebody who's paying attention to her inner voice be able to get into a controlling relationship with anyone? Would it even be possible? It seems difficult to even imagine. So this is something that we have to work on and that we have to teach our children. The second idea 
that I want to teach is about approval, being our own source of approval. So we need to, of course, pay attention to our self-talk. Are you validating yourself? Are you cheering yourself on and encouraging yourself? Are you praising yourself that you did a good job? Are you reminding yourself that it's okay to make mistakes? When we do this, you're going to find that you can now be your own source of approval. You're no longer dying for somebody else to compliment you because you're giving it to yourself. Now, I want to talk specifically about the way we judge ourselves in such a, such a strict way. And we look at ourselves with such a critical eye. Why did I do this? Uh, I should never have done that. Why am I overreacting? Why am I thinking this way? And then what we do is we become reliant on other people to soothe us and calm. And, no, it's okay. Don't worry. Right? But instead, let's ask ourselves the following question. The question that you want to ask yourself is, why does this make sense? So, for example, if you're feeling left out, let's say your two friends went away on vacation and they didn't invite you, and you're upset about it for days, you just can't seem to get over it, even after when they get home, you're upset. And you're, you know, you're making the feelings worse by judging yourself and saying, without even realizing it, you're judging your feelings and you're saying, why am I getting so upset about a vacation? Look at what's going on in the world. I shouldn't be overreacting to this. And you're really beating yourself up about it. So instead, stop and ask yourself, why does this make sense? Maybe this is not the first time this happened and other people have done this to you in the past. So you have like a big open wounds with this topic or maybe you really felt like you needed a vacation, or maybe you just did a huge favor for those friends a few weeks ago and you're feeling extra hurt that they left you like that. There could be so many different reasons why it makes sense. Make a list. Why does this make sense? And in that way, you release the judgment on yourself and you become your own source of approval in your life. So just to review... We said that in order to become your own source of love, you want to self-partner, you want to see your intuition as a physical thing, as some sort of physical image in your mind, and you want to check in with it before you make any decisions and accustom yourself to doing that. It will become easier and easier. And to become your own source of approval, you want to make sure that you speak to yourself positively and that you ask yourself, why does this make sense? Instead of judging your reactions or judging the things that you're doing, say, why does it make sense that I'm doing this? Why does it make sense that I'm feeling this? I am so passionate about this topic, and I would love to hear all of your successes. Please do not hesitate to reach out to me if you want to share or if you need help with any of these ideas, yalbertram at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening.